You're listening to Frankly My Dear, the podcast. I'm Fariza. And I really just want to hear from you, women with a story to tell. No lies, no drama. Okay, maybe just a little bit. I hope you like it here. Let's get started. But I, I was sort of missing like life on shore where you could actually go home. Like, you know, that there's a distance between work and in your personal life, like your private life. And on board, you have none of those. Yeah, so, tell me more about the the lack of, you know, privacy and, and boundaries. I think you mentioned that off cast. Yeah, so basically, um, also we have a department where it's called security on board. And security on board is not just to, you know, find bombs on the ship and stuff like that, but also to... Um, regulate um, the crew members like you know to make sure that they because there are actually a lot a lot of rules on board that you have to follow and I guess it's meant to be there so that you can sort of keep peace on board I would say Mm -hmm. for example you cannot get too drunk or you cannot obviously smoke on board or there shouldn't be any drugs or anything and if for example if you're too drunk and you're found too drunk Mm. you like off you go. Like, you know, the next day they'll ask you, pack your bags, go. That's it. That's wow. the end. Or for example, um, the ship was uh, would dock somewhere for a couple of hours. And if you're late, so the ship was supposed to depart at eight o'clock. And if you are there eight, 10 past eight, that's it. That's, you can stay in wherever you are. They would give your passport to the um, port agent there. And that's it. They say bye-bye. You With know? all your things? With all your things, yeah. They would ask someone to pack your things and then boop, bye. So um, so I would say there's always someone watching. There are a lot of security cameras. Um, so there are a lot of, sometimes you really have to, I don't know, watch your back, I say. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of funny things, like people coupling up with someone else kind of thing. Um, so let's say if you are dating someone on a ship, mm-hmm. everyone will know. <laughs> you know. Are you allowed this to? This is what I mean by, sorry? Are you allowed to? You are allowed to date another crew member, but you're not allowed to date a passenger. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Apparently, there are instances that such a thing has happened, so don't get caught. Because if you're caught, then you're also off the ship. Who has the time? I mean, like, passengers come and go every few days, right? <laughs> Technically, yeah, but there are some um, cruises that goes on for like two weeks. And I think for this kind of um, like people dating passengers, these happen more towards like offices, I guess, because Ah. they have a bit more free time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because they have to go out, for example, to to, um, socialize like Uh the offices. Sometimes they have to go on gala nights to, you know, go to the lounge and speak to some passengers and stuff like that. So they would have a bit more time. Oh wait, so officers are the ones with like the white uniform and they look good in a Yeah, hand, that's right. right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> right. And um there are two different types of officers. I mean like um they are the engine officers, so they are mainly the engineers on board. Mm-hmm. And um there are the deck officers, so they are the ones that are working their way towards being a captain. Uh. So they are the ones working on a bridge. So these are the officers. Also, I would say people like hotel director, the cruise director, those in charge of um, the hotel department, if they are a manager, then they are considered 
some sort of an officer as well. Okay. You yeah. you mentioned that um that there was also, you know, a couple of incidents of sexism or racism because I, I I would mm-hmm. assume because I mean you're very much a minority in that situation, right? Like I don't know if you've met any other Malaysian Chinese on board these Mm-mm. ships and you know what were some of the the personal um incidents that that you experienced? Okay, so I remember um very well um, okay, so when I was on Hasta Alera, there were a lot of, um, I think in general, the crew members, not the officers, just the crew members, they are very down to earth. They are very nice. Um, they all welcomed me. Um, and especially because I spoke Chinese, um, they were very happy to speak to me. Um, they would bring me food to, <laughs> to my cabin, for example. Um, however, there were also other crew members for example they were um those who um badly behave are mm. mainly the officers i think oh. they are very i don't know they're especially italian right mm. and because you would think okay to be an officer you would have to be educated you know um go to some kind of i don't know uni or academy to do a degree in um i don't know uh in nautical engineering or whatever i don't know uh-huh and you would think like they would be a little bit more polite and better behaved, but not all of them are like that. What do they yeah. do? Yeah, I remember because I was the crew lecturer, so I was Malaysian Chinese, um, but I wasn't really a waitress or you know doing um, like dishwashing or something like that. So for them, like an Asian person to be in this position was very rare. Mm-hmm. So first of all, they would sometimes say like, ah, you're from Malaysia. Ah, then they would call me the Malaysian tiger. They would say that in Italian. Uh They'd say, oh, you're from Malaysia. Um, You're the Malaysian tiger. I'm like, or sometimes when I complain, like, hey, I would complain to the managers, like, hey, your staff are not coming for English lessons. They were like, oh, well, maybe if you wear a skirt and like high heels, maybe they would come. Like, they would say that in my face like that. (laughs) Or some of them would call me, hey, Chinese. Mm. But they would say that sometimes they don't mean it in such a bad way. Like the guy who always calls me Chinese was actually one of the main, um, was one of the staff captains or something like that. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't mean it. Like he was very happy to see me, but for some reason he thought it was funny to just call me Chinese. So he'd be like, hey, Chinese, hey. <laughs> and um, there were also a lot of catcalling. Uh, I remember walking through the corridor and there were some a bunch of engineers who just hung out there and they were speaking to each other in italian and they were just looking right i'm like mm-hmm. like yeah that's a pretty girl there yeah yeah look at those but that's hot you know but yeah. they were saying everything in italian but actually at that point probably on my third contract i understood italian yeah. and i remember they said hmm, fresh meat i'm like i'm mm-hmm. not your fresh meat so yeah. What, what do you do in situations like that? Do you just ignore them or yeah, scold them in bad Italian or yeah? I guess you have a couple of choices. You can scold them back, and um, if you want, or if you are the kind of person who didn't want to create trouble, then you would just I don't know, suck it up. Yeah, because there isn't really. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard of anyone complaining to management actually about things like that. Um, because I don't know what they would do in this situation of course they would say like yeah yeah we take all these things seriously blah 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 but in the end when you're there you are really there on your own i feel like 
yeah, I, I would feel like if you want to take care of yourself, you take care of yourself because you don't imagine anyone else to take care of you in that sense. Did you feel like you had someone looking out for you? Well, I, apart from Alex, who was always very supportive with his emails, mm. um, I would say no one else was really looking out for me uh, except for so, okay, some of the staff were really nice. As I said, they brought me food to me um that was sort of like caring i would say that was all like looking out for me um but apart from that no however i remember after this contract i sort of understood how things worked mm. on board as like every man for themselves and so the only way you could survive this is you build a good rapport with other people uh, you don't create trouble and most of all you find a friend it doesn't have to be many friends you just have to find one friend that's very important. Right. And if you can find that one friend you can trust, then your contract would go really well. Like, and if you can find one friend that you could connect with, that's even better. And so I feel like my contracts were made better because of these friends. And then we were looking out for each other. Right. Yeah. I, I so. suppose because like, you've been traveling solo for, for quite some time. I think you've, you've kind of develop this thick skin and you're very independent already yeah mm. and in a way yes i guess I, what i developed was more like resilience like okay if, if this is the thing that i've sucked it up then i've sucked it up like you know because mm. you can sort of quit you can but then i didn't want to quit because i didn't want to go home yeah. so i keep telling myself you know just a few more months just a few more months you know and and i wasn't alone in that and i know that everyone else was doing the same. They were just trying to survive. Mm. Um, and other crew lecturers, we email each other a lot. So they were also having just as a tough time as I did. Mm. So I would say that made me feel a little better already. And um, yeah, I remember, and I did remember that if you also have friends in the high places, which means... I remember I had a friend who was a radio officer. Mm. He helped me get free internet. So, oh. <laughs> so like there were things like that where, <laughs> where you sort of know what to do. It's sort of like, mm, okay, this is what you do. First, you make friends with a radio officer, then you get free internet. Or maybe you make friends with like the logistics guy and then maybe mm. you get like some free wine, like, you know, something. But mm. I guess it really depends because friends... Um, the meaning friends is very hard. It's very hard to create a friendship between different sexes. Like mm. to have a male friend who just wants to be your friend. Mm. On board, everyone wants... Okay, so we had a saying, on board, everyone wants to sleep with you or to take your money or to take your position. One of them. Good God. If they do not need anything from you, then they are really your friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or they are too busy working so they got they can't care about you at all. Okay. So yeah, I don't want them. Yeah. So this was a very, in a way, very dog eat dog world in on the ship itself. Yeah. And you lasted four years. I know, right? <laughs> I, would, I would have lasted, I think like the, what was the first one? Magica, was it? Magica was one week. So the yeah, first one was after, Allegra. After Magica, after Magica, I would have called it quits. <laughs> 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 okay, so um, I think we had another... Um, you, you mentioned that uh, off-cast that there were quite a few incidents uh, that you said you would never forget. Um, what were some of the more like strange or even dangerous situations um, that you experienced during the four years 
or even like that the cruise ship had gone through the the over the forest. Right, right. So um, I remember on the Allegra, the very first thing that I had to cope with were the tsunamis. So oh, oh my really, god, really really bad weather. Yeah, and um, every day they would sort of post up uh, a newsletter saying like, "What's the weather going to be like today?" Mm. And sometimes they would say it's bad weather, like stormy seas. And stormy seas could range from just stormy, like, you know, um, you could feel a bit of um, a shake uh, as you walk, but not much. You still could um, continue walking or doing whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I remember there were times when it's like, you know, at the peak of a storm. So at the peak of a storm, which means you couldn't even walk. Like you literally have to cling onto the bar, the like the rails next to you so that you don't yeah. fall off. So that was, sorry? Everything is swaying and... Everything's swaying. Everything's toppling down. Everything like in the room, like the TVs were toppling down, the glasses, everything. That kind of, um, yeah, bad weather. Yeah. So, and a lot of, I didn't get seasick, thankfully, but I know a lot of people um, would get seasick and they would end up being in their rooms a lot. And one of the funny things was because a lot of people would puke, including passengers. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I would hear on the walkie-talkie, like, hey, come over here. There's some pizza over here. I'm like, what's <laughs> pizza on the ground? It turns out it's puke. <laughs> yeah. So they are basically calling for um, cleaning service to mm-hmm. clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What so about that? Mm-hmm. Sorry, continue here. Uh, so that was um, bad weather was one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I experienced was also a collision. So we would do, you know how like on a flight, they would have um, safety announcements, uh-huh. not safety announcements. Like they would show you how to wear the life jacket and everything at the very beginning of flight, correct? Yep. We have the very same thing uh, on ships itself. So when you embark on a first day, uh, you have to, like all passengers would have to go through this um, life jacket drill and stuff mm. like that. Mm. So basically every crew member must know what to do in an emergency or like how to put on a life jacket and where to go and so on. Mm. But all these things were only drills. Well, for a better part of my contract, I think it wasn't until I was on my third contract, third or fourth contract where where suddenly it hit me that it wasn't a drill anymore. So I remember very clearly, um, it was in the middle of night, I don't know, maybe 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Mm. And suddenly there was like a huge thud, like, you know, and, bang. and I felt like, yeah, like it was a huge bang. And then after that, I felt like the ship was sort of dragged. I don't know how I felt that, but you could feel it. Mm-hmm. And then there was a loud screech. And all of a sudden, I heard um, the emergency signals going on. Mm-hmm. And um, you hear like, I think seven short, seven short blares and one long blare or something like that. Anyway, I heard that in the middle of night, 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. And I'm like, no, that can't be a drill, right? That should be a real emergency. Yeah. And and then I get rushed out of my room and my like uh, colleague rushed out of their rooms as well. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, but because I remember for my position, I didn't need to be 
doing anything in particular. I only needed to, I think, grab my life jacket and go to a specific master station. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was what I did. And I'm thinking, like, what should I be wearing? Should I be wearing a uniform? Wait, I'm wearing pajamas, like, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. And um, yeah, and we only needed to assemble in the master stations. Um, and then there were places where I saw like the sprinklers went on. So it was like flooded and we were, I don't know, on the 10th deck or something like that. So, and we all huddled there for a very, very long time until I think, I don't know when it happened, but we were there for until 6am or something like that. What what did it collide with? Yeah. So it basically, later we found it collided with a cargo ship, but a Belgian cargo ship that's right and we were near Hong Kong I think I wasn't sure if it's Hong Kong or Shanghai well one of these two (laughs) sorry bad memory but yeah so basically that happened before Hong Kong Shanghai and uh, we were supposed to end the itinerary already and so I think so because of this much later we found out that we collided with a cargo ship and we basically, I think the fifth deck was completely destroyed. Like oh. a part of the wall was completely destroyed. So there's like a huge hole, oh. a very long hole in the middle of the ship. Were there which any need, like injuries or victims? Uh, thankfully, none. Mm-hmm. I think one or two were like they had superficial wounds for running out or I don't know, they, they stumbled upon something or something like that. Um, apparently, according to some of my colleagues, they said that um, they saw people running naked around. So maybe they were so completely, maybe they were sleeping naked and they were completely shocked and oh, they just yeah. ran out naked. Yeah. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that was what happened. So basically the ship had to be steered to the next port and sort of remain there until it gets like repaired. What about, yeah. um, you know, I, I imagine if you were at sea, like there always is, there's always this fear of um, coming into contact with pirates or? Yeah, so yeah. we were, I think, sailing the Gulf of Oman. Uh-huh. And it was around this area, you know, with um, Oman, Yemen, uh, near Somalia, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we were somewhere in the Indian Ocean. Okay. So um, there was, again... A code that was blaring through the system but this code wasn't like it wasn't a known code like i remember saying huh what code is this i don't remember what code it was mm. and much later someone told me like oh, pirates pirates i'm like what where and then apparently the passengers also heard about that because technically the passengers weren't supposed to know because if the passengers know then they would panic and then they'll be all trouble so mm. um but anyway, everyone was more excited than troubled. So everyone rushed out to the decks and the other staff was, was saying like, please don't go out because, you know, you never know what the pirates could do. Uh-huh. So basically, um, they saw some pirates. So someone spotted pirate ships, basically. Yeah. And uh, they were sort of trailing our boat, like our ship for a while. And I think they were calling the signal and eventually we had to get everyone in and I didn't know what was really going on. But someone told me that eventually a NATO boat came out to help us. So so they basically came to sort of come in front, sort of um, steer us away from them. And I think the pirate ships, when they saw the NATO boat, then they sort of like changed their course and went the other direction instead. 
So that was like a close call, but not that close. They like weren't really on our ship or anything like that. They were just trailing our ship. Right. For so Somalian distance. pirates really do like exist. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, they do. Oh, okay, okay. They are still active. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really scary. I know. I thought like, you know, stuff of movies, right? But no, yeah, that really I happened. Yeah, because I watched that movie. <laughs> like Captain Phillips, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so thankfully, we didn't actually get into that um, situation. But it was a close call. And I remember we were like, oh, okay. And I asked my friend. I'm like, what would happen if pirates were actually on board? What would we have done? Like, do we actually have weapons? I'm like, no, cruise ships aren't supposed to have weapons. Then how? what were we supposed to do? Then it said, you just have to wait for help. Like, you know, the captain would probably signal help. And like, for example, the NATO boat came. Mm. And probably if something worse would have happened, then they would have called in other help, I guess. There are no weapons on cruise ships. Are we supposed I to know? I don't think. Oh, okay. I don't think there are weapons on cruise ships. Like, not on passenger cruise ships. Okay. Maybe on cargo ships and other kind of ships, but not on passenger cruise ships. Yeah. You, I think you mentioned, like, you know, it's, it's completely um, okay to date, like, a fellow colleague or, or, or like, a crew member. Uh, yeah. Now that we've gotten, like, the serious stories out of the way. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now more the frivolous parts, right? <laughs> when, when you're working in, like, you know, such cramped spaces, I suppose you're bound to end up in, you know, an entanglement with a fellow crew. Has, has that ever happened to you? Um, yes, that has happened. Um, <laughs> That actually happened on my first contract, which was really, really um, funny. I think, yeah, basically what happened was that I remember I had some problems with the keys to my room, Mm -hmm. uh, to my, I mean, to my office. And they said, okay, I think um, you have to change your keys and you have to go to the bridge to get it changed. And which I did. And then I had to approach an officer. I think he was a third officer at the time. And and he was really, really very cute. And I said, how come I didn't meet him before? And it was because he just signed on, which means he just embarked on board. Mm -hmm. And this was when I was already six months in or five months into my contract. So I'm like, okay. And and he didn't really speak much English. So that was that made him even cuter. But like he was nice, you know. you can teach him English (laughs) but you know the funny thing was um because this job evolved so much from the time I started Mm. so when I first started officers weren't part of the mandatory group of students right um they didn't have to go for um for lessons it was only probably um two years in or three years in where they said okay officers have to do this Mm. course Mm. and then yeah then I started to have more officers as um students but okay, back to the very first contract, right? I remember saying, oh, okay, he's very cute. And he said like, oh, what do you need? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I need my key changed. And he's like, okay, yeah, cool. And I'm like, okay, when should I come and get this key? He's like, um, don't worry, I'll get it to you. I'm like, do you know where I'm? He's like, ah, oh, you're the teacher, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm the teacher. And it's like, okay, I'll go to your office and pass it to you. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. And before that, I didn't really have, I didn't have any attention from anyone like not from the officers at least mm-hmm. i remember there was a romanian officer who oh no i remember there was a romanian waiter who always brought me food mm-hmm. as an indication of something but apart from that um yeah no other um funny things happened so basically when this guy who was really cute uh, said like oh i'll bring it to the office i'm like okay cool yeah great like you know <laughs> um 
And then when he brought it over to my office, I don't know why, but we sort of chatted a little bit with our, you know, like chicken and duck talking because he couldn't really manage English and I couldn't really manage Italian. And he said something like, Oh, if you want, um, if you want some time, you can come up to the bridge at night. It's really nice at night. Like, you know, it's really dark and you can see like the stars. I don't remember. He said something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, really? Can I? And he's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I will come up sometime. I'll see. And so that sort of started off. I think oh. I probably went there in a day or two or something like that. And we just sort of hung out a little bit more before we sort of got together i guess and um yeah we we actually did have like a normal relationship i would Mm -hmm. say because Mm -hmm. um and then we were sort of together and we spent a lot of time together until the end of my contract and Mm -hmm. someone else came to replace me um, Mm -hmm. because i was already in my contract but then after that the guy who replaced me got into an accident in Vietnam. Oh, so no. he went out in Vietnam, he hired a bike, and he got in an accident. Oh, so no. thankfully, he was fine, but he was to be sent home. Mm. And then my boss said, can you come back to the ship to work for another two months before we find a suitable replacement? And I'm like, okay, cool. And then when I went back, he was still there. So we were together again. And then he, yeah, and then he invited me to Italy to spend um, a summer there with his dad. Mm. So I went there and spent the summer there, which was very nice. But I guess in the end, we just couldn't see how the relationship could work out. Like he'd be in Italy and he would also be on board, you know, back and forth kind of thing. And Mm. so that was just like, okay, a nice, sweet memory. And that was it. (laughs) That's nice though. I mean, like I'm sure to have like companion on board and and to meet someone who is kind to you and just just makes your work a lot more pleasant and enjoyable, right? That's true. That's true. Mm. I mean, um, that's why there are a lot of romantic things going on on board. It, so much so that because the need to connect with another person is so strong because it gets terribly lonely there, that a lot of people hook up in a way where they actually have families abroad, not ashore, and then when they're on board, they are with someone else like that. Oh. So that happens as well, yes. Um, not everyone's like that, of course. Some yeah. people are really like loyal and everything. But there are also instances where things like that happens. Mm. Was that one mm. of the reasons why you decided to leave? I mean, after four years, why, why did you yes. choose to leave something that sounded so awesome? <laughs> I, I think after the first contract, I didn't think it was awesome anymore. Mm. <laughs> but um, because the prospect of getting work whenever you want and also getting paid a pretty decent amount of money and being able to save up a lot of money in a pretty short time mm-hmm. that was very attractive to me so when i finished the first contract i didn't intend to come back oh. i just said okay um i'll think about it because they didn't need to like when you're when you sign one contract that's it like it's not like you're going to continue with them for the rest of your life it's just that one contract mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to continue, you can always like write back to the manager or they will say like, hey, we're planning you in for 2021. Imagine, mm-hmm. uh, are you interested? And if you're not, then they'll say, okay, we'll just put you on a back burner. And if you're interested in another position, uh, not another position, in on another itinerary, then let mm-hmm. us know. So mm-hmm. it's really flexible in that way. Um, so when I finished the first contract, I didn't immediately go back. I spent probably about, 
nine months in London. So I actually got a working holiday visa in London oh. and I started working as in a cafe in London. So that was another unconventional job, but I was working in a cafe there. Right. Um, and then London was fun. And then my manager said, hey, you know, we need someone to do these um, Indian Ocean itineraries. Um, and I've never been to places like Madagascar or Seychelles. I'm like, okay, that itinerary sounds really cool. So I'll sign on for another eight months. Mm. And midway, they said, okay, we needed you to another ship. And that's how I managed to go to Caribbean. So all in all, I managed to do very different itineraries. And because of that, I stayed on for four years in that sense. Do you miss it? Uh, sometimes. Mm. I, I don't miss it now, per se. Mm -hmm. But I remember after... That after that four years, I remember I did a working holiday visa in Australia. And after that, I said, hmm, maybe it would be nice to go back on board. But I think I reached out to my manager, but somehow, I don't know, things changed um, because, you know, Costa Concordia sank. Uh, it sunk, actually. And then everything changed and policies changed and somehow I never got a reply back. And so I guess I was too long away or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And also because at some point, I think I was towards the end of my 20s, probably mm -hmm. I was 26, 27. I said, okay, you know what? I also want, I would like to settle down. Like I'm tired of leaving out a suitcase. Like I would like to have a permanent address. I don't want to just pack up and go somewhere. And ironically, I got a job as copywriter in Singapore. <laughs> You were in Singapore? When was this? Yeah, this was, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, good question. 2013, 2014? Yeah, about that. Oh. 20, yeah, that period of time. Yeah. Great. I wasn't there for very long, but I was there for almost two years, I would say. Yeah. I think at that time, I was, I was also a copywriter. I think it was 2013. We could have oh, met really? you know? Yeah. No, but Farisa, I have to say something really funny. We what? have actually... Uh, we have been in contact before. What? Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, I wanted to tell you something off cast because I think I know you. Okay. Let's right, right. Talk off cast. Yeah, I think, okay, we'll I talk think, off cast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so cool the fact that you remember me because I, I was like, she's so familiar. I feel like I've, I I thought the same thing. Like, <laughs> I didn't remember you right off, but eventually after a while, I'm like, oh, you are that person. Okay. Oh, that's so We cool. can talk off cast. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Um, Okay, so one, one final question. What would, you, uh, what would you say to someone who you know, is looking for a job that takes them places, meet new people, and go on, on the same adventure that you had? Um, be a flight attendant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> In a time of COVID? <laughs> um, I would say, okay, everyone wants to do that, right? Like, you know, everyone wants a job that could take them places. Everyone wants a job that could pay them well and still travel the world. Um, Unfortunately, these kind of jobs are very few mm. and it's very hard to get them because you don't know these. Um, so being on a cruise ship is one of the many jobs and I have actually got a few people on board as in like a few friends of mine who expressed interest and I managed to get them on board. Mm -hmm. So being on board is one of the many ways to travel the world, save some money and do this while you can, like when you don't have a family or anything. Mm. Yeah, free and easy YOLO, right? Mm. Um, Having said that, it's not every time that you get accepted. 
Right. So you would have to really find ways uh, to go around this. So I would say if you have a dream, um, just don't dream about it, like do something about it. Mm. And if you do something about it, maybe, maybe the universe would conspire to make it true for you. Right. So I would say like for me, that's why I had so much backstory before I got on board because being on board was one of the craziest things that I could do. And I would have never imagined that one day I would be doing something like that. Mm. Um, but it wasn't like uh, an easy, clear cut path. Like I didn't just apply online and then, oh, you're accepted. And then you do all these things. It went on from getting to know it from a friend to, you know, applying for it and then get it rejected and then do other things. Mm. And somehow being in Europe and then being invited to Genoa at the same time, I felt like, all that, if it, if I didn't go through all of that, then probably I would have never gotten a job, I think. Right. Like, I would have just written it off and like, yeah, okay, that's a stupid dream and let me do something else. And um, But no, I just went on and decided to travel at my, um, what, with whatever I have. And, and having a job like that was the means to traveling. So mm. it was, um, yeah, so... If I could achieve that, then I think anyone else can. <laughs> Ying, thank you so much. That was like really a fascinating look into a job that I had no idea existed. It's been so, so fun having you. Uh, thank you for your stories. And that's it for me. Uh, we've reached the end of this episode. I'm Farisa. This is Frankly, my dear, and you've honestly been lovely. I'll see you next time. Thank you. You want to say bye? Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, bye. Thanks for having me, Farisa. Bye. <laughs>